Welcome back to the Hoops Temple Podcast. Y'all know me, Nathan Schwartz. Joining me from Sacramento, Aaron Schroeder. Good afternoon, guys. And join us from the nation's capital, the basketball capital of the world, Jack, a.k.a. Jokic Joestar. <laughs> the basketball capital of the world employing Kyle Kuzma is like a second option. I love that. Hell yeah, absolutely. Second option? Kuzma for president? Come on. Hey, I'll be I'll be a big – I love Kyle Kuzma, and I think the pairing is going to be fun to watch win like 20 games or whatever. But pool, I want to – pool, shoot as much as you want, bro. Knock yourself out. Go right ahead. Well, we uh, – yeah, we did – in Washington last week, and uh, the trio, our collective average was uh, 24 wins. So, you know. I feel like that could be high, to be honest. Like, they they really might just, like, commit to the bit from the start. And, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see how many how many minutes Koulibaly gets, and that'll be our, our gauge of how much uh, <laughs> if how they much let him care about this season. Yeah, if they let if they let Koulibaly be an MVP, how we know he can be, uh, totally there. But like that would definitely upset some of the locker room dynamics. And so, are they willing to do that right away? That's the question. I uh, yeah. I'm all in on Koulibaly. Like I feel like he has such potential, but I also can't imagine like a Wizards lottery pick panning out. Like when I close my eyes and imagine like tenth overall MVP Koulibaly to the Wizards, I black out and wake up in the forest a month later. <laughs> It's just like something you can't really process, but I, I digress. Simultaneously, I think it would be extremely on brand for the Wizards to only hit on the 10th pick, which is like the most mid reward for a horrible <laughs> season. If you like tank and you get the 10th pick, you're like, this was a waste of a year. But I don't know, maybe Bali hits. He rocks. I think he's going to be real closer to Jan Vesely, but I'll, I'll, we'll stop on the Wizards talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's Southeast. We're here to discuss the Northwest, the like polar opposites of the conference here. Uh, the way we've been doing these, Jack, is we've just been starting with the worst team most most commonly is, you know, working our way up from the uh, worst, the best in the division. Uh, and so I think we'll throw it to you. We'll let you uh, nominate. Who do you think is going to be the worst team in this division? Um, no hate to Ice Bryce Sensible, but I think the Jazz are probably. I, I have the Jazz worse. Uh, I I don't know if that's Whoa. like tough between Utah and Portland. I actually like. Um, I like Jeremy Grant. I like Scoot. I like Simons. I like Aiton. I think they'll both stink by the end of the year, but I think the Jazz will be bad the whole time, and Portland could have a Utah-esque start to the season next year where everyone's just like, they're supposed to be awful, and they're 500 right now or something like that. But, yeah, I have Utah at the bottom. Kind of a hot hot take, I guess. How you guys feeling on it? That's so interesting. We were talking right before we started recording about how I, I tend to judge these teams in a vacuum, like, and, and I, I get too into it, and I'm like, I actually kind of like these pieces, and I forget that they actually have to play like another NBA team. There's not like mystery Euroleague teams that come and play them occasionally. Like they have to play the Clippers and the Mavs and the Nuggets a bunch of times and other like Western Conference teams. I had them at the bottom. Like I, I I'm not in. I think one of the biggest things is rookie point guards aren't great. Mm-hmm. And mm. without that kind of facilitation, it's going to be tough. Like, they're going to have to go through all of the growing pains of Scoot Henderson, as awesome as I think we all think he's going to be. They're going to have to experience it, and you're not going to win much. I had him as a pretty bad 18-win 15 seed. Damn. 
Well, I mean, I guess we'll see. This is why I'm digging my heels into the ground. The Jeremy, the Jeremy Grant All Star campaign is really popping off. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's just <laughs> like uh, when I look at them, and when I look at Utah more specifically, I guess uh, I see a team that pretty clearly needs to get worse before they get better. And so I think like they, I, the way I've looked at Utah's season is they're coming into it with like a commitment to getting a high draft pick next season. Uh, and Portland, it would rock for them to get another top five pick or whatever. But I feel like as far as the future goes, they are a lot more comfortable with the backcourt pairing of Simons and uh, Scoot Henderson to go along with like a variety of other youngish talents. I don't think they have like their roster for the future locked in or anything like that, but I don't think they're as like, I don't know. It's a little bit more muddy for Portland. And I think that that might lead to them winning more games than Utah, like 25 versus 21 or something like that. Again, I think they're both going to stink, but I, pro- I, I, I feel like Utah is going to be lower. They're much more similar than I think either of us are we've really even kind of considered because they both have the potential of having a defensive back line with their bigs. I mean, Kessler Walker could keep if Utah in a respectable place on defense, Robert Williams could keep Portland in a respectable place on defense. Um, And then Aaron, when you were getting on about a rookie point guard, I thought you were jumping off of Jack's comments about Utah. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess Keontae George could be handed the keys like right off the bat. They've been kind of hesitant to start Colin Sexton. They like him in that reserve role. If they do give the the car over to Keontae, that's um, you're, you're going to have all of those same growing pains in Utah that you're going to have in Portland. Um, so I guess I was thinking of Utah as better because of what Laurie Markkinen has shown. I do like John Collins. Um, Kelly Olynyk is like a stable presence. But he could also be great trade fodder. They could start moving off some of these guys. I think it's uh when I when I look at Utah and specifically the phrase trade fodder, uh, like put this into my mind is just the sense that they almost miraculously pivoted from a very mid roster with two like high quality players in Gobert and Mitchell, but they have spent like the last half decade, seven years, however long that pairing was like kind of committed to in Utah. They've spent that like knowing what it's like being a good team that doesn't really have a hope of getting over the hump. And so I mm-hmm. feel like that gives them unique perspective in terms of like really committing to a rebuild as a small market that lets them get into as good as position as possible to like fill the roster with very talented players a la Oklahoma City or whatever. And I don't think that incentivizes keeping players like uh Damn, he looks just like me. Who? Oh, Olenek. That's who we we're talking Olenek. about. I don't think yeah. that incentivizes keeping Olenek on the roster because he is a stable presence and a winning team would like him on the team. And I feel mm-hmm. like if you can like get a little bit of assets back for him, that's way more beneficial in the long term if you're Utah. Okay, so he's got to you know try to make that play. He looks really nice with Shea. They have that Team Canada connection. Like you got some young prospects. You got a buttload of picks. Like and you want a big guy. Like you want you want to big thick guy Mm -hmm. next to Holmgren you can't just like put that out there as your front court without a little bit of girth to you not to get too too descriptive (laughs) on the pod girth is always very important um the Jazz are going to bring in three first round rookies and Taylor Hendricks Ice Bryce and Keontae George um 
I also like that when we say Walker Kessler, it just anything comes out. Like like some combination of his name, Kessler Edwards, oh. Kessler Walker, like who fucking knows what's coming as soon as we get like it's it's almost I will impossible. Flip that name forever. <laughs> I do actually have three trivia questions for these guys for these two teams. Okay. And I okay. have um one preview trivia question for the entire division. Cause I just as I was putting together, um, I do like a spreadsheet of, you know, kind of depth charts, trying to look at all of these teams as I'm going. I started to notice something. So our overall Northwest Division preview question is last year in the NBA, there were 10 players with hyphenated names. <laughs> this year, six of them are currently in the Northwest Division. How many can you two name? Are we going back and forth? Like, yeah. Uh... Yeah, like we'll go back and forth. Uh, Aaron, you can go first. Actually, no, Jack, you're the guest. You can go first. Damn. Name a guy. Yeah. And Aaron, name Give a guy. Me. First one to get them wrong uh, <laughs> loses. That's tough. That's brutal. Horton Tucker off the top is who I have for Utah, but I, I need to, yeah. That's tricky. Okay. All Horton right. Tucker. That's a good pick. I'm going to stay in Utah. Is Juan Toscano Anderson still on the Jazz? How do you lose this on the second? He person? was he was on the Jazz. <laughs> He's in Mexico. Oh, jeez, this is terrible. Oh, that's that's brutal. a great guess. He was on the Jazz last year. No, I lost. Keep it going, Jazz. What else you got? Yeah, what else you got? Dude, I don't, we can I don't try to know. Pick, we can try to figure this out. It wasn't Toscano uh, Anderson, Horton oh, Tucker, Cald- Caldwell Pope. Uh, is he yep. hyphenated? Okay, okay. he is hyphenated. KCP. Um. Do any of the teams have no players with hyphenated so I can just like eliminate rosters from my mind? Uh, Portland does not have anyone. Okay. okay. I feel like the Thunder have to have some sort of like. The Thunder have two, fucking... one of which is an all-star. Oh, SGA. Okay, SGA. <laughs> we'll start there. <laughs> <laughs> the which G is will, not his where, middle name. Where is his, uh, where is the hyphenos? It's, it's between the, the two last Alexander. names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, wait, is um Oh is Anthony Towns is, his, is yep. Is his cousin uh, in this division? Is SJ's cousin? His cousin is in the division. <laughs> oh my god. Nikhil Alexander yeah. Walker. Alexander Walker and Walker Alexander, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> Walker, Walker Kessler, Kessler, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh and then the other one, which I don't think you guys will get this one, um, unless you're just real deep draft sickos and uh way too invest in OKC, uh Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Okay. Yeah. Never, never would have gotten that. I'm Thanks so bummed that Juan Toscano Anderson is a is a wrong answer. He's I should have got like guy that's points. not in the league. <laughs> that's bullshit. So of the of the ten guys, nine are still in the league. The other three are Kenneth Bates, Diop, <laughs> Michael mm. Carter Williams, and Dorian Finney Smith. Damn, Michael Carter Williams. That's a deep cut. Mm-hmm. How old is he? Do you know? Like, do you have it there? By thirty. I, I guess it's thirty. He can't be that old, but I mean, yeah, it's just like weird. Uh, he very well might be 30. He uh, he is 32 this year. Wow. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah, no, he's old. And, Who is yeah. that, that player that uh, it was um, Mason 10th. Plumley is 34 or like 35 or something like that? Dude. Yeah. Imagine an NBA with no Plumleys in it. That's going to be crazy. I know. They got to have kids soon. Like, right. You know, no, that's how, true. How far... I guess. Are they they're more? Aren't they? Are they? Was it a Mormon family? <laughs> that would make they, so like, much did they, sense. Did they all go to BYU? No, they all went to like Duke or they all had like blue bloods. I have size. Okay. All right. Aaron, I'll give you a chance to redeem yourself here. Okay. This can't go poorly. We're going to go with the Portland question here. I think this says a lot about Portland. Last year in the final 11 games of the season, Baden Sharp played in 10 of them. During those 10 games, 
he averaged 23.7 points, 6.1 rebounds, 4.1 assists. What was the Blazers' record during that final 10 games? 0 oh, and 10. We'll give you a chance to answer, and then Jack and, <laughs> they were the, and 10. the closest. They were 0 and 10. <laughs> they lost every game. I was very mad about this at the end of the season. It's fucking blatant tanking. Um, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go two and eight, but I don't oh, feel as 10. confident. Yeah, it was 0 and 10. <laughs> they were two and eight in those oh, games. <laughs> yeah. He knows ball, everybody. Damn. Blatant tanking. Two wins, Come on. Two and eight's fine. They rested him against San Antonio so they could lose the game against the Spurs, trying to, you know, really tank it Didn't matter in the end, I guess. I was going to mention about Rob Williams. He is the perfect young player for a tanking team. He's going to be sore and aching every day. He's going to be day-to-day the entire season. He might play 15 games. Like, I, if I had set the line like 25 games played this season, I'd go under. Yeah, it's crazy with uh, Williams how in Boston it just doesn't fucking matter uh, if you play 40 games or whatever because, like, he's their sixth best player mm-hmm. or any rocks as a defensive anchor and, like, getting him healthy for the playoffs is sick because they're always, like, really good at blocking shots or whatever. But him in Portland, yeah, it's going to be a lot more obvious to people. They're like, holy fuck, this guy. Can we get like 10 Never straight plays. games out of you, pal? <laughs> Where is everyone's uh, DeAndre Aiden stock at? I had, um, I think a lot of people see him as a positive asset, like, oh, and Aiden's going to rebound or turn it around or something. He needs a new environment. Um, I don't think that's true. I, I don't think he's very good. Um, you say everyone, like, I haven't been just beating that drum, and you're like, all right, we're going to set uh, set Jack up to take Nate down. I, I see what you're doing here. I see, I see what's going on. No, it's like, I'm on I'm on TikTok, man. I see what people are posting. Um, I see uh, it's a lot of, you know, he, I, I get it, Aiden, in a new situation. Maybe it was a Phoenix issue or something, but um, I made a video earlier today about how James Wiseman sucks because he's like kind of good at posting up, but that's not really important or valuable if you can't facilitate from that spot. So it's like negative basketball, and, and Aiden has like the same issue. Like He can give you quality post-up possessions, kind of, but it's like awesome. If it was 2012, that's great. He's like, <laughs> this fucking awesome. Like, you know, keep posting up, guys. Um, it's just not yeah. very good basketball. I mean, to think about Aiton, and he would be a revolutionary 2012 prospect because oh, sure. then you get like a, l- a little bit of the face-up game that he has. People would lose their fucking minds over. <laughs> oh, oh my god. god, he'd be like seven he'd foot be like guard, supercharged young Blake Griffin. Like if you go back and watch those old like uh, the young Blake Griffin Clippers games, like they're just running Blake post ups every possession. Like <laughs> Aiden would Aiden would feast, man. Yeah, I mean, I think I guess I'm somewhere in between. Uh, in the sense that I think I really agreed with your point on TikTok forever ago that it was like 18 and 10 is not what it used to be in terms of like contribution statistically. It sounds really good, but yeah, 18 points per game, whatever. Um, simultaneously, I do recognize that even if somebody's not that good, being in that situation in Phoenix could not have helped him in terms of uh, things like defensive engagement or just like the motor problems that we routinely saw him showcase. I think he will be like the most empty 21 and 11 in the league or whatever. He'll be like new Nikola Vucevic. Uh, But um, 
I also That's so mean. Dude, I got I it's weird. I will I will always send a stray his way. I just uh when they moved him for Wendell Carter Jr., I was like, that's not a good move. And then the Franz Wagner pick happened because of it, and I was like, fucking obviously. Classic Chicago. But they're not in the Northwest, so um yeah, I don't know. I think Chris Paul is probably the best player he could have played with to maximize the stuff he does in like the short role, and it's gonna be a long time before Scoot Henderson is even really good at facilitating that kind of offense. But uh, I think he'll be better than he was, but I don't think he's that good. That's such a great point. Such a great point with the Chris Paul thing. Chris Paul helped DeAndre Jordan make an all-NBA first team. All-NBA first team, DeAndre Jordan, and Aiden's like struggling um, to... to very different players, though. Yeah, but like, just stand in the fucking basket. He's like 7-1. <laughs> he's so athletic. Like, you tell me, like, it, it's... Come on. I, I had a... Um, in the same video about Wiseman, I mentioned in a comment that Wiseman's, he is a bust, but he's somewhere between Anthony Bennett and Emeka Okafor. Now, I actually think that's where Aiden <laughs> is, is Emeka Okafor. It's like oh my generations, God. this generation's Okafor. Because Okafor has like, he played like 10 yeah. years and he was, he played all 82 games, like three straight seasons and he's 10 and 10 or 15 and 10 or something. And it's like, okay. Yeah, I will say as a lob threat and with the DeAndre Jordan point, uh, Aiden should be a fucking nightmare for like opposing rim protection in terms of like lob threats for Chris Paul. And like that is also when you uh, Chris Paul has taken a step back in terms of like the little floater that used to be automatic with the Clippers and like mid range scoring and making the big really press up on him in the pick and roll for to open up that lob threat. But I also don't feel Aiton should have like a career highlight reel of bodies that his lob catching is really routinely just like open dunks. I just don't feel like he jumps much. Like I don't <laughs> I don't feel like he puts the effort. Like when you're talking about DeAndre Jordan, it's like, oh yeah, Jordan, Jordan ran, Jordan jumped, and like Aiton's like, I want to catch the ball at the high post and then like jab step and shoot a sixteen. It's the footer. worst kind of center you could ever want. Like it's that's a center nightmare. You want your center to rebound and play hard or be like this offensive genius not like that's the worst that is that's the come on that's that's the last center you want on your team you know how like a lot of guards went to go to like Hakeem's camp and like I'm gonna add a post game I'm gonna work with Hakeem this is like he went to Carmelo Anthony camp of like how do I be an inefficient mid-range like spot-up shooter just like I don't know, you painted such a brilliant image in my mind. The second you said catch the ball in the high post, like the entire play you described played out in my mind before the I was like, Oh yeah, I've seen him happen where he just catches mm-hmm. it. Okay, okay, maybe like one dribble towards the basket and I mean it goes in at a good rate for again twenty twelve. Sure. Uh would have been efficient offense back then. It's just unsustainable now like as savvy especially if you're giving it up at the rim on the other end which he i will not defend him as a rim protector hell of a fantasy pick if you can get him late next season i feel like but i don't yeah i'm not huge on him in terms of like contributions to winning basketball go ahead is this the moment where we reveal the tiktoker fantasy basketball league um, i mean maybe a little bit of a debut <laughs> Yeah, has anybody else, uh, has this been brought up yet? I don't yet? think so. I don't, I don't Big think. things, big things are coming, listeners. You guys are getting exclusive access. Everyone tuning into Hoop Temple right now. And, and by big things, we mean a 20-person deep fantasy league that uh, is going to make us claw our eyes out looking at the waiver wire. <laughs> I love him. I'm all Kelly about Hayes I... is going to be a mid-10th like tenth round yeah. draft pick with how many He's... guys we've got going into this. Uh, me and Nate are already in like a... 
of my close circle of friends and family like it's a 14 team league and th- there's no one left <laughs> like there's no one left on like like denny Oddview is a really big deal like when he came off waivers like oh shit like he might actually oh, play oh my god <laughs> yeah dude that's Someone's crazy john wall like yeah i texted him i don't he doesn't know basketball very well and i was like i know espn says john wall's on the rockets he's not on the league he's not in the league anymore espn needs to fix their fantasy out they're so slow with like Carmelo Anthony is still like a player you can pick up. Like I could probably trick most of the people in our league to like trade for Nikola Jovic. Like it's it's a good group. <laughs> Damn, that rocks. That's super fun. The other t- the other league I'm in, it's eight teams, and so it just like it's it's like the other end of the spectrum. How it feels like every pick carries a lot of weight, just because like if you don't make like a good sixth rounder, you're leaving thirty five points on the board or mm-hmm. something like that. But uh, I am very excited. It's weird how I'm curious if anyone's going with Miles Bridges in the 20 person uh, chat, just because like uh, that that would be good fantasy points. But like you're a scumbag if you pick him up. And so he'll just be like sitting there the entire season. I have faith. Everyone's a good person. We won't do it. But it's I'll easy to say up. that until you you're looking game jack. <laughs> <laughs> not here to lose. So you can't. <laughs> not here to make what you, friends. What are you talking yeah. about? The man got rearrested again. Like, who's oh, playing? Shit. Yeah, That's I forgot true. about yeah. yeah, he just He's threw uh, pool balls through his girlfriend's uh, car window with the kid in the backseat. Man's not playing. We don't have to worry yeah, about this. That's true pool balls yeah. what the fuck did he get have you ever tried to carry more than two pool balls at once <laughs> <laughs> he's got his shirt like a little pouch like a kid in kindergarten just a good hoodie yeah. pocket like. that's so funny seriously he's like pool balls in his pockets or something like especially oh. to walk outside with him you didn't cool off in that little march <laughs> to the car yeah it's so the, the kanye bridges. west driving 60 miles to uh not kanye west fucking it's matt in the barnes. kanye song matt barnes driving that far to beat up Derek fisher <laughs> <laughs> he's like Dude, that, what the damn. fuck are you listening to on the way over there to keep that like to keep that uh that mental fortitude keep the anger like, going seriously okay i just want to uh, recap we- i had the blazers at 18 wins maybe i'm being mean but i don't like some of their players they were average they were they were a bad team with damian lillard and a worse team without him um i had the jazz as the 14th seed right above them at 26 wins Maybe I'll do. I'll take two wins from Utah, give them to Portland, and we'll we'll be happy. Yeah, I mean respect. I it's not going to be consequential, regardless. I will state that the the Blazers are probably gonna fucking stink the way that Utah does. But I just feel in my stomach that Utah good shit's not happening out there, man. Give up the Jazz name, you know? Do you uh, do you have a wins projection for either of these teams? Um, I don't written down. I will say let's go Portland. Let's go Portland 23 and Utah 20. Solid. I actually did my math wrong. I had um the Jazz at 22 and the Blazers at 20. So pretty equally awful. This is going to be the worst Jazz basketball since Pistol Pete. I mean, they're, they've <laughs> always been really good. They've been good since basically after Pete is is almost directly into the Carbalone era and that into Darren Williams and all that. And they have weirdly good. Since- yeah. So my jazz trivia question is: uh, Is last season the Jazz got off to a surprising hot start? They actually maintained the number one seed for a section of the early season. I remember that. Uh, they up to what date did they hold the one seed? What is the latest date that Utah was in the one seed? Um, wow. I'm gonna say, damn, 
Was it like the same uh, starting point? Was it like October 24th-ish when the season tipped off last year? Okay. I'm going to go maybe like December 5th. Okay. Aaron? I think it was earlier than that. I'm going to say November 15th. It was November 21st. Damn. Splitting the difference. Now, from that point, uh, Utah would fall off and eventually drop down to the 10 seed. How... What is the first date in which Utah was the 10th seed? Wow. So um, November 21st, they start losing. And it's not like it's not like they were like wavering on that point. Once they started to lose, it pretty much just continued. I'm going to say they were the 10th seed by December 27th. I think it was later than that. I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go February. I think it was like February, honestly. Like they, oh, it was damn. late in the season. I'm going to go February uh, 2nd. So while Utah does bounce back up uh, a little bit, they get in this weird tie where like 10 through 6 are all tied. Um, They first hit the 10 seed on November 28th, just seven days after being the 1 seed. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Like the whole bottom half of the West was tied for that was crazy. And I bet it'll happen again this year, to be honest. I forgot yeah. that it, I guess within the, the standings are so, like, there's only a couple games to go around. You fall pretty quick. But they, yeah, they yeah. come back. When did they, uh, I guess I wonder what that, that, that progression looks like, like the graph of like one seed, 10 seed, and like five, six, six down to 10 or something. Yeah, just just a cliff. Uh, but I, I, I was looking at that, I was like, that's, you know, some fortitude because they like, they could have tanked super hard and be like, cool, we had this early, you know, wins and now we're just going to lean into tanking. And they didn't quite do that. So I ended up going with 29 wins. For Utah, I just I feel like they have enough good things here that while I am skeptical um, that a point guard rotation of Colin Sexton, Keontae George, and Chris Dunn is going to be good. Is Chris Dunn in the league? Oh yeah, yeah. he's in the league. There was a Dunn renaissance last year. He (laughs) averaged like twelve points and shot like fifty percent from three for fifteen games. Okay, no, yeah, twenty-two games. Yeah, I like. I just can't bring myself to watch the 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 tankathons and it's like when portland was on their slide and utah was on their slide i'm like i'm not I'm not participating not in this <laughs> i'm not throwing this shit on it doesn't matter like yeah, yeah. I, I don't know i can't tune the tankathons that. are fun in the preseason that's when they have that's the real season mm. for the tanking teams how old is chris dunn now 29 yeah 29. he's old he's is old he? me and nate last year did a podcast called like are they done which was like <laughs> players younger than you'd expect that be out of the league. And we said Chris Dunn, but he's he's survived. I want to go. I should go back to that and see who you're right about. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a fun revisit. Damn, that sounds like an interesting topic. James Wiseman soon. James Wiseman in like two <laughs> years. <laughs> Marvin Bagley at age 26. He's done. <laughs> okay, 26. Go ahead, Nate. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to ask who we talking about next. Uh, who is going to be the middle team in this conference? Let me take a look at the actual division. Sorry, they keep saying conference division. Minnesota, Oklahoma, or well, it's not gonna be Denver. I think Denver is going forty-two and forty, baby. Um, <laughs> now I think I don't know. I think these two are very similar. Like the way I set it up was tier one Denver, tier two uh, Wolves versus Oklahoma City. Uh, very much in the thick of the playoff hunt. Probably not like securing home court advantage, I don't think, but also towards the top of the play-in, lower playoff seeds, stuff like that. So I guess I'm going to say, damn, this feels like I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'll probably go Timberwolves middle of the pack. 
Interesting. I um I had them one game apart from each other, so it's not like that crazy. Um, I had the T Wolves as a forty-seven win five seed, and the Thunder as a forty-six win seven seed. Um, we can start in Minnesota if we like to do that. Yeah, let's yeah. start there. In which our trivia question for Minnesota is: Last season, Anthony Edwards averaged six point eight pick and rolls per game. Comes out to being about four hundred pick and rolls on the season, or over four hundred. And he averaged just zero, or he averaged 0.9 points per possession out of the 31 players uh, who ran 400 plus pick and rolls last season. Where does Anthony Edwards rank in points per possession? Uh, and for this one, I think who went first last. It was Jack. So Aaron, you get to set the line, and Jack, you to go over or under. Okay. So sorry, how many how many players ran 400 or more pick and rolls? 31. 31. I'm going to say that Anthony Edwards and his partner in crime, Rudy Gobert, whoever <laughs> the fuck it was, <laughs> um, I'm going to say 20, 28th. Mm, I'm going to set the line differently, 26th. Okay. I'm, I'm comfortable going below 26. 28 was going to be a little bit more tricky. <sighs> the answer is over, just barely. It was 24th. Oh, mm. damn. All right. That's better anticipated. Yeah. That's still pretty yeah. bad, though, for a, a player of his caliber. Uh, yeah, if you want to know uh, the best, I wrote those down. Uh, we've got Curry with 1.14, uh, Mitchell and Lillard both 1.13, and then the absolute worst are a uh, couple of Pistons. We got uh, Jalen Ivey with uh, 0.78, and then Killian Hayes, 0.73. So, uh, Damn. Yeah. yeah. Motor City basketball, baby. It's gritty. It's hard-nosed. You love it. <laughs> Always has been. I feel like, um, God. They're trying does... to bring back the defense of the 80s by just not being good at all. Not scoring. <laughs> God, those Dame Giannis pick and rolls are going to be insanity. Like the Nightmarish. Yeah, nightmarish. You could just run those at half court. Just have just Giannis dive to the basket from, from the top of yeah. the circle. Well, um, I was going to say, um, it's so funny, like that question – that I'm not sure there's a bigger disparity between like uh, the value of somebody's pick and roll and the value of having them just drive to the fucking basket than it is with Anthony mm-hmm. Edwards. And Anthony Edwards' pick and roll is an ugly possession. And like you could yeah. literally just be like, Rudy, go try to get the rebound. We don't even care if the rim protector's there because Ant's going to fucking dunk on him or finish around him with his long ass arms or something like that. So yeah, it's nice that they have Mike Conley though. I think uh, maybe that. Um, they should just focus on him running pick and rolls. It helps resurrect some of the Gobert value because the, the Gobert Edwards, yeah, it's just like the worst pick and roll in the league. And Gobert is like a decent pick and roll big. It's why he set the you know record for screen assist or led the league in screen assist. I don't know how many years in a row, but yeah, the two just do not stat. match well. It's a ridiculous stat that no one else does. <laughs> no one else has ever gotten a screen assist. He's the only person in the history. I of want NBA. that stat to be like retrofitted into the nineties. Because I want to see Dale Davis like lead the league in it and everyone freak out about how great Reggie Miller's teammates are. <laughs> Go back. There's the thinking basketball piece on Dale Davis's screens. With the Timberwolves. So last year, they were 42 and 40, not a great season. Cat played like 30 something games, or correctly. Um, they were the 10th best defense still. They had size, they had Rudy Gobert, like that's still good. The 23rd best offense. I think with Cat, that kind of fixes your offense problems. Um, so I had them uh, had them pretty, pretty solidly, a 47 win team. 
They lost Tarian Prince and Austin Rivers. They added Shake Bilden and Troy Brown Jr. That is one step forward and one step back. There's nothing <laughs> going on there. Um, but it has everything to do with Cat coming back and how he, how he fits in with, uh, with the team. Yeah. I think uh, three big things are Cat returns, uh, Anthony Edwards, the age. He's going to get like exponentially better every year if he is improving, um, just because that's like what happens when you're 22 years old and like you're really just operating off like an insane level of raw talent. And then I also think uh, McDaniels, whether it's Jaden or Jalen, I don't remember which one's in Minnesota, but he's a damn good defender, damn good three and D guy. I think, uh, if him and Ant both take step forwards as defenders, which I think is really possible because of the physical tools that Ant has showcased, having those two be very, very good on the perimeter to go along with Gobert still, which, I mean, for all the screen assist bullshit, he has the worst hands in the league in the pick and roll. I don't care. He can still protect the rim really well. I think their defense uh, could theoretically improve from last season just because McDaniels is yeah. otherworldly on the wing and Ant's like a hard second best perimeter defender to target. Mm-hmm. Alexander Walker's also pretty good at defense. It's like he showed some valuable minutes. They can offer a lot of different lineups. Like you could go Nas mcdaniels walker and edwards and that is like a young fast up-tempo very switchable defense or you could go big with gobert and towns and like denver is is the top of the west they have a really good lineup to go up against denver like some of these other teams i one of my big knocks on phoenix is they are fucked if they play denver and they like can't guard point like minnesota has a little bit of something for everyone it's not the best but I like the versatility where I actually think maybe we overrated what a regular season team they could be the last year. Uh, I, I know we were talking like, hey, they, could they do 50 wins? Maybe not, but they actually have a lot of versatility for the playoffs. So I'm going with 46. So that way they're behind teams like uh, the Lakers and the Warriors, first, but over teams like Sacramento and the Pelicans. What's with the I feel shot, comfortable. Mate? I feel What's comfortable with, with 46. Like, uh, yeah, I think. Um, no shot. It's I don't know. I laughed when you said uh, they could run out the Gobert and Cat lineup because my brain immediately just goes Nas Reed small forward. But uh, <laughs> I think yeah, they do have a lot of versatility. And Reed the Reed resigning was really good. He's really good. They will at least have people to like go and take fouls on Jokic or whatever, which is a lot more than you can say for Bull Bull or whoever they're cooking up in Phoenix mm-hmm. at like backup center. But uh. Yeah, I think 46 is solid for the Wolves. Cat is underrated. Um, people act like he fucking stinks. I'm not going to like sit here and sing his praises all day, but he is like a big difference, especially when you're trying to space the floor with Rudy Gobert. And so I think if you can get like 60 games out of Cat and a healthy playoff appearance, uh, that would do a lot for them. The on-off numbers of Cat and Gobert weren't great when they were together. If you look at the whole season, but if you look at the second half of the year, once um, Cat returns from injury and you have Mike Conley in the mix, like they go from average, like I forget what they were, like plus 0.1 or something, to like actually a pretty solid good lineup of that, you know, Conley unlocks it and they kind of figured each other out more as the season went on. I, um, I wanted to mention on the Anthony Edwards piece, his driving ability, Jack mentioned earlier, is just insane. He, he will do moves where you're like, oh my god like you should do that every time like let's let's do that again like just jump from the free throw line and just destroy people um i think an underrated part of driving and what makes drivers so good the 
lack of care for your own body. Like when Dwayne Wade and John Morant like attack the basket, they like attack it. Like, I don't care what happens to me. Like if I die on this drive, it'd be a, a life well lived. Um, and Edwards just, like, I feel like he has the ability to, to attack downhill, like fucking LeBron dude. Like he has that ability, but I, I'm still working on this, uh, on this analogy or on this term, but the wolves are kind of like, like a bedazzled coffin in a way where like they're very much dead like they're kind of expensive and the roster sucks but they may be pretty good this year like there's no future here they have no assets like that isn't going anywhere they have the the one of the worst contracts in the league but like 47 wins is pretty solid oh yeah i that thought actually already occurred to me but i didn't have the term bedazzled casket to throw out there Mm -hmm. a coffin or whatever but yeah um we have all, like, the vibes around the Timberwolves are, holy shit, the Rudy Gobert trade is the worst trade in NBA history. It has completely decimated the future of a franchise that has found itself in possession of one of the best young talents in the league. And it's just, like, completely fucked up what that guy's career is going to look like if he wants to stay in Minnesota. But they would be, like, yeah, they could win almost 50 games this year. It just sucks that that's, like, one of the better outcomes like that's mm-hmm. the higher ceiling of their regular regular season ability. It feels like on the bright side, Minnesota is used to trying to build around a guy without draft picks. On the downside, they didn't were didn't work. Unsuccessful. That did not work. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, man. Shout out Joe Smith trying to get uh, money under the table. I don't know if it was him or the Timberwolves or there's both of them like trying to get money. Why? Of all the players, why, why do you tamper the, with the guy that plays yeah. the same position? <laughs> like, why couldn't yeah. have been like, oh, the Timberwolves tried to sign like Kobe Bryant with under the table money or something, and right. him with KG? It's like, no, like we lost four first rounders because of Joe Smith. I think Perfect. they were trying to go for someone that was like somewhat believable. Like, if <laughs> Kobe's like, Kobe's like, cool, I'm moving from LA to Minnesota, they're like, all right, what's the tampering here? Yeah, Come seriously. on. How much under the table? It's like, no, I really, I really just like it here. It's like, bullshit. <laughs> Shut up. You're lying. Oh my God. We got any trivia? What, what are we doing? Um, we got For OKC. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and this is me revealing my, uh, my wins early. I am predicting a 50 win season for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Last year, Oklahoma was 40 and 42, so they were sub 500. Since the year 2000, how many franchises have gone from sub 500 to 50 wins? And I will say, I was lazy with this. I did not do 50 win uh, equivalents. So like if (laughs) that shortened season, you won like 47 and it would have been 50. I'm sorry, I didn't actually do the math. Not a 50 win team. Doesn't count. Get them out of here. Wow. Uh, who set the line on the last one? I set the line. All right. Okay. Jack, you can set the line on this. There's 30 teams. teams. Okay. Here's how many of them uh, since the year 2000. I also was not going to go back and do this. So this is how many times this has happened? No. How many unique teams have done this? For instance, uh, Phoenix did it twice. Okay. Once with okay. the Booker Nets uh, getting good and once with Steve Nash. Okay. So it's uh, at least two he, times. Okay. Yes. <laughs> at least two times this has happened but but it's it, that's only one franchise yeah um i'm gonna say i'm gonna set it at like six franchises i think are we i think we're off on is that right or oh I you set in the line with, you gotta go okay, over the yeah, gotcha. do you think six more franchises, franchises or yeah. less because i know the suns and the celtics did it the suns and, and the celtics and um the nets did that did the kings win 50 this year kings only got 47 no 47. um 
the baby thunder did that i'm like 90 percent sure um i'm gonna go over over is correct since 2016 franchises Damn. have posted a oh sub 500 God. season and then an over 500 season and i went through and checked these to see like what was the cause um because like all right cleveland did it the year they brought back lebron sub 500 <laughs> over 500 miami did it the year they or uh, actually miami did not do it they were uh not so but um but like the lakers did it the year they traded for davis but a lot of these were internal development. Dallas went from sub 500 with Dirk and Nash just playing a couple of years. Chris Paul well, in New Orleans, Pau Gasol in Memphis, um, Booker in Phoenix, Rudy Gobert and Gordon Hayward in Utah. Like not large roster moves. Dwight in uh, Orlando. So like I, th- I think the, the Thunder are ready for this, ready for that takeoff to go from 40 to uh, 50 plus. Hmm, damn. I'm not like super against that uh, by any means. It's just, um, I don't know. Like when I think about, maybe it's just like the phrase 50 win team kind of jumping out Mm -hmm. at me, but it feels like 50 wins in the West is going to be a lot next season. Like it'll pretty handily secure you maybe like a top four seed. Um, And so I would probably put the Thunder closer to, 47 48 uh i think they will be better than the wolves by a game or two i don't think it's going to be a big gap i'm concerned about chet staying healthy i think chet if he plays a lot will Mm -hmm. uh fill a lot of what they need in terms of like rim protection and stuff like that he'll be super fun to watch uh the bullet i had written down was that the wolves and the thunder are similar in the sense of like two elite talents the wolves feel like they're contingent on the progression of anthony edwards the thunder feel like they're contingent on the progression of everyone around shea gilgis alexander to me yeah that's a fair like split to look at this because we know shea is good we're questioning can giddy can jalen can shed and you know take the leap i just think they're too young i know it's tough because it's like oh that's fucking ridiculous but i have them at 47 wins compared to 50 wins it's basically the same but i feel like you do need veteran players you just do and the thunder just you yeah no you do davis Davis berton slander (laughs) he's a locker room presence (laughs) they brought in a euroleague guy that's like 29 and was an mvp Like, thinking of all those young teams that did that, I mean, like, I mentioned the Nets, and they got Jason Kidd, and it's like, that's a nice fix. Um, Getting LeBron always helps. Getting Anthony Davis is a cool way of doing that. I want to look back on those Jazz teams with Gobert and Hayward to see what else they added, because, like, the 08 Magic grabbed, like, Richard Lewis. They had Hedo Turkoglu. Like, these are, like, 28, 26, like, Mm -hmm. year-olds-ish. Um, I, I did kind of go for what the primary was. The, like, yes, yeah. there are other moves around it, but the like Warriors Philadelphia with, uh, goes from twenty-eight to fifty-two wins um, in Embiid's second year, and it's just yeah. like you had this behemoth. Yeah, like the Warriors with Steph had like Iguodala and Andrew Bogut was was like these are really good players. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're missing that centerpiece, and if that center, like I, I'm trying to think of a, a that who's who's this? The Thunder is Andrew Bogut. I don't who's even Mom know. Dang? I would be curious who is like who's the oldest person on the Thunder's roster even. Kendrick Williams? Pokushevsky? Oh my god, Pokushevsky. Well there you go. Oh, that's your answer. Victor Oladipo. <laughs> that's not that's, that's 
Yeah, but I, I gotta find some uh, some veteran size. I fear, but those are my my issues. I mean, I'm I'm down with those issues. Kendrick Williams. What do you, what do you mean veteran size? <laughs> a vet, veteran I'm, size. That's good, Nate. Kendrick Williams is not good. <laughs> God, first they first you want a veteran. I give you a depot. Then you want veteran size, and I give you. Yeah. Kendrick Williams. Now you want good veteran size? Like, come on. It's impossible to find. Yeah. What, you want them to give up five picks to get Rudy Gobert? You know what's crazy? Uh, is they just have so many assets. They have so many assets. Like, they could just come over the top and grab, like, the next three unhappy superstars and build the greatest team we've ever seen. Like, if the, if the, if the other teams allow that, go get Paul George again. Like, fuck, he's always, he's always itching to come back to OKC and grab someone else and all of a sudden it's like a 68 win team fueled yeah, by just, picks in sga just <laughs> offer double the next amount of teams picks yeah for, for joel Embiid. yeah no one else have that has this uh has that kind of assets i had i had talked with um the first podcast i did with montaigne i i asked him if he'd trade chet holmgren in four first for Embiid. would you guys do that um like four it, it, like, whatever first like, like two, for one of your the own thunder and, if I'm the Thunder, I guess anybody. Well, like, from- see, the thing is, if I don't think it, uh, if I don't think it like makes me overwhelmingly good, I hesitate to do it because I don't. I'm not confident Embiid is ever going to get to the point where he seriously maintains what he does offensively in the regular season into the playoffs, even if he is like 100 percent healthy. I think defensively, if Embiid can make you like overwhelming defensively i think he's one of the best rim protectors on the planet and i think that that could absolutely push a team over the edge into like winning a championship but if like the move makes me look at Embiid and be like hey i still need 34 and 13 a night in the playoffs or whatever and you can't get hurt i need you healthy for six straight weeks that is a difficult ask I don't know, but you you say probably if it's just Chet and first. I mean, Chet, there's no guarantee he ever becomes anything close to what Embiid currently is, even hobbled in the postseason. What's four first to Oklahoma City? Fuck it, eight first. 12 Absolutely first. nothing. Give, yeah, yeah it's not, go ahead, Nate. So I, I that I was trying to check that. Um, do you know how many picks they have? Twenty-seven. I'm. I feel fairly confident in that. Yeah, I think it's like I was gonna say twenty-eight. Thirty-five. Holy. How many firsts? You kind of have to. You kind of have to consolidate that at some point, though. Like, unless they have like a secret second roster they plan on having, like housing, <laughs> like a minor league team. They they just stuff their their G League team is undefeated. They win every game by a hundred points because it's all NBA players. Um, Sixteen firsts, um, which I should say, uh, one of those firsts is Houston, top four protected this year. Uh, one of them is Utah, top four or top ten protected. So Utah is probably going to try to tank, make more. That uh, that's that's a strong point for your guys' uh, just absolute miserable uh, potential. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a lot of firsts. They have <laughs> Philly firsts, which uh, if if you're trying to trade and beat, you probably want your own first back because that's going to be a, a valuable first. Um, some Miami firsts, some got a lot of Clippers firsts. Those have got to be just rising in value. It is very funny uh, that the Rockets got good enough to be the eighth overall pick and their pick is top four protected. Like, I think the Rockets are going to suck, but like they're not going to be good enough to get that pick back unless they like seriously commit to the bit there. So, I mean, that mm. could be, yeah, I don't know. A lot, OKC has done a good job uh, 
amassing picks of teams that are probably just going to be like bad without being the worst in the league when those picks roll around besides maybe the Clippers the Clippers might genuinely really stink whenever Paul George and Kawhi explode whenever all the time (laughs) usually on February January then then the good Russell Westbrook the good basketball player is going to step in Uh, I know Aaron we love Russell Westbrook (laughs) on this pitch Oh, of course, of course we do. <laughs> Man, if Houston's pick doesn't convey this year, then uh, Houston gives up next year's second round pick. That's 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 some pretty strong incentive to keeping it. It's not like just it rolls over and then it's top four protected next year or next year. Like it becomes a second. That uh, that feels like a huge win if Houston could keep this. Mm-hmm. How would they? Keep well, just up? let Dylan Brooks shoot the ball, you know, and yeah, it'll that's work how itself you keep out. It. Looking at my my predictions, I had. Rockets at 31 wins. That'd be the third worst team. Be the two, three. Be this one, two, three. Be the sixth worst team. Never mind. Uh, okay, so you still has swap rights for Houston's 2025 pick. <laughs> yeah, okay. They own that shit too. God. They got them dead that's to the rights, West, That's baby. the Westbrook trade, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I don't even know at this point. Who knows? Who knows it's, what they've done? I don't know that I make the Chet trade because I like Chet as a prospect and as an asset. But I would give up the mother load of picks for him. Yeah, maybe that's the thing. You'd give up ten first rounders before <laughs> yeah. you before you touch check. Because then yeah, yeah, the second round pick and a crazy prospect is is worth how many picks would it take to get Chet Holmgren? And that take that and add the th- the three other picks onto it, and it's like it's eight picks or something, eight first rounders. That's the new asking price. Mm-hmm. The price of a fucking brick just went up. That's what we're doing. <laughs> uh but yes we have one more team here uh and that's the denver nuggets now denver lost two key role players in the offseason bruce brown and jeff green they are returning several key role players christian braun deandre jordan reggie jackson zeke naji Vladko chanchar Chanchar? Vladko chanchar he's a hooper he dunks from the free throw line in game and Peyton Watson. Uh, there's a chance you guys can both get this one right because I couldn't figure out a way to make this more competitive. Which group played more minutes? The two that they lost or the six players I just named that returned in the regular season? Oh, the two that they lost. Yeah, the two that they lost. Specifically for Denver. Yeah, it's, it's, they, the, the six that they, they added or, or that they gained. Reggie Jackson did not much. see yeah. the floor, man. DeAndre Jordan... Yeah. Or he's a locker room guy. Yeah, I'm going. Maybe with that's like 150 that total minutes between <laughs> Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan. I said there was a chance you guys could both get points here. Actually, unfortunately, neither of you got points. Wow. Uh, Bruce Brown and Jeff Green combined to play 3,371 minutes. The other six, 3,968 minutes. Tough. Much closer than I thought that was going to be. Yeah, uh, I mean, for Denver I, I guess Christian Brown uh, is. Uh, a rotation player so that makes sense he's probably got a big big chunk there yeah him uh zeke naji and kanchar uh pretty close to the three thousand. the other three guys no peyton watson yeah. never saw the floor <laughs> that's funny i like peyton watson but yeah that hasn't really maybe maybe this is the year he gets worked into the rotation with losing green and bruce brown which i mean i 
losing Bruce Brown sucks uh, just in terms of like making the team very fun to watch. It rocks when you have a guy who's too good to be going against bench players, going against bench players every night. Like it's super fun. Uh, it electrifies the arena. The team gets super hyped. And yeah, he was a big part of why they won the title. At the same time, I do think uh, it's really funny how everyone's like, holy fuck, they don't have Jeff Green anymore. These guys are borderline out of contention. What the hell? Like, who's going to run those minutes hey, for them? And I'm like, yeah. Uncle Jeff was throwing down dunks, man. That guy still gets up there. He will be till the end. The heat death of the universe uh, is going to happen. And then Jeff Green's going to dunk on the last atom with energy. <laughs> I, re- I remember that video. I remember that. that, that, that was- <laughs> That was a great one. Just looking at what the, the Nuggets lost, it's Bruce Brown, Thomas Bryant, Jeff Greenish Smith, and Jack White. I thought about not saying his name. I'll, I'll give him the respect he deserves. Um, <laughs> those guys are, you know, Bruce. But losing the Bruce Brown piece hurts. But honestly, I feel like Bruce Brown is more a result of the Nuggets system and the in Jokic's ability than he is as an individual player. And you can probably find someone to do kind of similar things. And but they they added Justin Holiday. That's fun. And just a ton of undrafted guys and, and some second round picks and um Julian Strawweth Strather. Julian Strather. Yeah. At the um, 29th pick, and I'm guessing they'll be able to replace Ish Smith's production totally fine. That little elbow pull up, who's going to shoot it? You know, they don't have Ish Smith yeah. anymore. No one's going to go bar for bar with Booker in the mid range. It's really tough. Mm-hmm. How are we feeling? Okay, well, I have uh, Denver as the one seed in the West. In terms of like who's going to win the championship, I think that is a lot more difficult of a question. In terms of like you have the best player on the planet, if not top two, who is an Iron Man. You have um, like Jamal Murray uh, is kind of poised to have a career year next season. I feel like he spent last season getting his legs back under him after the tough injury. And then also on a team with like five other double digit scorers, just didn't really need 25 a night out of Jamal Murray. He will have the opportunity to put that up next season, just because like the backup point guard role is not as good. And so like, they'll probably stagger a little bit more. He'll be able to run with that second unit and stuff like that. Um, And then he also makes a lot more money if he makes an all-star team. So I think he'll want to do that. Aaron Gordon also plays a ton of games. Michael Porter Jr. did last year. I know we were going to talk about the health here because it is uh, concerning. Like, you don't know if they've broken through or if they just got lucky. But Jokic has proven to be capable of elevating anybody on a roster. And this roster is better than Facundo Campazzo minutes. So I think the one seed is pretty solidly locked up for him. I have him, the Vegas line is 52 and a half. I have him pretty solidly over that. I'd go like 54 probably. I had him at 55, 55 wins. I felt pretty good about it. It's a great one seed. Um, my, my biggest point was something you said in Jamal Murray last season was rehabbing basically coming back from injury getting his legs underneath him and so like half that season was like jamal murray three for 17 shooting like is he even an nba player anymore <laughs> um into like the cold hearted killer he was in the playoffs i think this would be an all-star season for him possibly an all-nba season for him he's a top 30 ish player in the entire league um they're gonna it's like Shaq and kobe reincarnate like they're gonna fucking demolish people so wild that jamal has like i mean it makes perfect sense that jamal's never been an all-star with the injuries and whatnot but just like teams that don't have a second all-star don't usually perform as well as denver did 
and guys that have usually never been an all-star don't usually do what Jamal Murray did. <laughs> so it just feels like this is this is absolutely going to be a breakout season for him. I'm also interested to see if they might get even better in the regular season by staggering their starters. I know Malone did like a ton of, hey, this is the starting five, and they're going to play their minutes together throughout the course of last year's regular season. I think that makes sense. You know, you've got Porter trying to be healthy. you got Jamal trying to be healthy. You're trying to make it all click. You've clicked now. That is we look at Golden State, we usually say they are the best starting five in basketball. I mean, Denver's starting five may it may give them a run for the money. It's one Now with two. Chris Paul in there. That shit is not even close to me. I mean, maybe if they figure out how to like... Uh, yeah, I the get what you mean. last year, De- <laughs> or Golden State. Yeah, yeah, fair. Fair. Um, but like, I- I'd be really interested to see, hey, are we going to get a little bit more uh, of Zeke Naji with the other... Like mixed in, not just like, hey, this is the Jordan... Najee, Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, or Christian Brown, and Reggie Jackson lineups. Like, please don't ever make me have to watch that. They are really rough. Um, yeah, it's tricky because uh, pretty much all of the like bench wings. I know Najee's listed at a backup center. He can run the four really easily. Uh, same with mm. Peyton Watson. Are smart and like they can play next to Jokic. Like they know how to move off the ball. They're long and switchable defensively and they can cut and all that stuff. But when you ask them to do it on their own, it has not panned out for them offensively. And uh, it also seems to hit their confidence pretty hard. So I would like mm-hmm. to see more rotations with stuff like that because I do think um, guys like that are where the internal improvement to make up for losing Jeff Green and Bruce Brown are going to come from. Uh, it's going to be guys like Christian Brown. It's going to be guys like Zeke Naji. John Char's ACL fucking snapped in FIBA, I'm pretty sure, so he's out for the season. But he was good when he was here, and if he can make the playoffs, I mean, he probably won't play. But, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, those guys – Denver's season doesn't hinge on them it would fucking rock mm-hmm. if somebody could take a step forward in that department if they could just be a competent rotation you know someone that every other team would be like yeah that guy was my seventh or eighth man that like we'd be fine with that I just had an aneurysm trying to figure out the difference between Zeke Naji, Naji Marshall and James Naji. I got it all <laughs> sorted out figured it out three different people I'm all good Walker okay. Kessler all over Walker. again <laughs> I was like, James Najee. I was like, I thought he was like, who? Like, <laughs> uh, do you know there was another Jalen Williams drafted this year? Holy fuck. He did not go to OKC, but uh, yeah, we, we could have been in, in rough shape. Um, Yeah. I mean, how are you guys feeling about like the Nuggets and stuff like that? I think they're still the best uh, in the West. I, I know we hedge on over the offseason and we did like championship odds. And I was a little bit too lazy and didn't go back and re-listen to that pod and figure out what our percentages were for everyone. But like we we had Denver, I think we had them at like 20 or 25% and everyone else was like 5% below. It was like 15% was the next highest. Are you starting to feel a little bit shakier with the uh, the big moves on the top two in the East? Like they're going to have have an easier playoff stretch to get there and uh, some pretty pretty nice rosters. Um, I think, I think Milwaukee is a lot more realistic. I think, uh, there's a way greater chance that Porzingis, his like durability last season was more of an outlier and Boston is going to lean on him in a way that just like 
it doesn't work out when you ask a guy who's had that history to do that amount of stuff on the floor for the entire regular season and the entire postseason. Because, I mean, yeah, if Porzingis doesn't pan out, uh, it's going to be really hard for them with like just Horford there at this point. Whereas, I mean, you saw Giannis push teams to seven without Middleton in that Boston series two years ago. And I mean, albeit he like played the second half of the Miami series and they still got swept or whatever, but he was hurt and I don't really hold that against him in the same regard. And so even if Middleton's not good uh, or like hurt or whatever, if you have Dame and you have Giannis, I think that goes toe to toe with anybody in the NBA and they're both pretty phenomenal postseason players as well. So if we went back and did that, I think Denver was at like 35% and Milwaukee was closer to 25 maybe or something like that, 20 I would probably switch that so that uh, Milwaukee, I think they're the favorite right now, but a Denver repeat, like if they get the same health and shit just like doesn't break right for Milwaukee, which is completely realistic. Yeah, they could win as well. I think Milwaukee, Phoenix, Boston, or Denver all like something goes right for somebody and wrong for everybody else could be champions. I wanted to note about historically when teams went out Jokic in the playoffs, like when the Warriors got him, it was with just crazy three-point shooting and like bringing him out, making him guard the three-point line. Um, and what the Celtics and Milwaukee added is two of the best three-point shooting players at their positions in terms of like raining threes from like 37 feet from the basket. Jokic will have a tough time getting stuck in Dame Giannis pick and rolls if he's even near that. And having to guard Chris Stops on three-point line is a little bit scarier. They they faced a lot of mid-range heavy teams in the playoffs last year, and it's obviously a completely legitimate championship, and they fucking smoked the entire league, but um, <laughs> that, that very specific weakness didn't really pop up. Yeah, but simultaneously, I do feel confident. Um, like the Dame pick and rolls, I think that is going to be really fucking hard to guard, but simultaneously, Aaron Gordon has low-key been one of the better... Giannis defenders that's like a playable offensive guy there's obviously some players that like you can just throw at him for a couple minutes and aren't viable offensively but are just like monsters physically that kind of fuck him up Aaron Gordon's pretty good at guarding Giannis and I think uh if you have him and like KCP going at it in a pick and roll I feel confident uh, that Malone can scheme around Jokic being really like tough there. I think Porzingis is harder because it would just be like the straight up matchup and uh, he would just be on him the whole time. But I don't know. Jokic isn't like the most insane rim protector to begin with. So like losing him in that aspect defensively. It's not the end of the world. It would like make me more nervous though, because Tatum is a phenomenal slasher and things like that. If you don't even have a body down there, it's going to be hard. Go ahead, Nate. You have some thoughts. Oh, I was, I was just thinking, uh, Jack, when you gave your list, you put uh, Phoenix in there, and I just I see Denver as such a Phoenix nightmare. Like I, I don't know how they're going to defend Jokic. I mean, Nurk I'll does dance a on fine Phoenix's job. Grave. I can't wait. I'm going to crip walk on their grave when that team flames down. You have, um, you've got Booker, Durant, and Beal that I assume will be playing the majority of these minutes. So you could shift them down so they're the one through three uh, and play uh, Eubanks and Nurk to try to defend them. I don't think that's a great look. If you shift them up to try to have like a wing defender in there, um, you know, a Kogi or a Gordon try to chase around Jamal, that's fine. You're going to struggle defending Jokic, 
And now Durant has to guard Gordon. And I feel like Denver's going to be like, cool, let's start posting up Aaron Gordon and just like, you know, every fifth possession or something and have him back down Durant and see how Durant feels about that. And it just, I feel like it's such a matchup nightmare that, you know, Phoenix, hey, if they can get there without having to play Denver, something goes wrong in a different series, like maybe, but it's just, Mm -hmm. I I think Denver has just, it's a game of rock, paper, scissors, but Denver has both rock and paper and, uh, (laughs) Uh, Phoenix has like a pretty dull pair of scissors (laughs) yeah um well I did just want to go on record Yusuf Nurkic cannot guard Nikola Jokic it's like legitimately one of the most barbecue chicken matchups in the fucking league like the fact that he's also (laughs) a big eastern European guy the the Nurkic Jokic matchup in the round one Blazers series holy fuck it was like 33, 12, and 6 on 70% true shooting or something like that. And Dame was nuclear, so it kind of gets overshadowed. It was food. And that was like a team with arguably a stronger front court uh, just in terms of like the guys you could throw out there at power forward and things like that. I think Eubanks, they're going to need to rely on pretty heavily just in terms of like bailing Nurkic out in foul minutes. And I think Denver does beat Phoenix. But at the same time, I am just leaving wiggle room for the fact that uh, Devin Booker was one of the best players in the entire playoffs last season. I think the reason Denver handled Phoenix really well last year was because you could just leave Okogie alone. And Kevin Durant also missed a lot of pull-up jumpers that I've seen him make in points in his career which like if he's just past that point that's a separate conversation but you can't leave Beal in the corner like that you can't leave Eric Gordon in the corner like that either uh even though he's like I don't know if Eric Gordon's your fourth best player it's tough still but the team is a little bit different and there's the potential for them to just get overwhelming offensively in a way that especially if uh Denver doesn't shoot the three-pointer as well it's not like an automatic waltz through the series so I hate to say it, but do you want to know what Jokic did? I mean, you probably already know what Jokic did against Phoenix. Last year in the regular season, he only played them in two games. So it's a very small sample size. Uh, he averaged 31, 16 and a half, with rebounds, 12 and a half, or 12 assists on 68.5% true shooting. So, yeah. so uh, despite the fact that he averaged 33, 10, and 5, against uh against uh, Nurkic in the playoffs that is somehow an upgrade against what he did against <laughs> DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, I I remember one of those games was the Christmas game uh and Booker did not it was like a garbage Nuggets game that they won on an insane Aaron Gordon dunk over Landry Shamit that they shouldn't have even been mm. in to begin with but uh yeah, DeAndre Ayton's food too. Like uh I think he's probably <laughs> probably worse than Nurkic but it's trash versus garbage like they are not very good yeah yeah I think it's uh I think Denver has has just way too much it's like I I don't find Phoenix to be anything more than a good regular season team like they're they're gonna struggle having to defend basically every single team there's just no good matchups for the big three yeah and I mean Kevin Durant uh his level of play still rocks first of all 
if he's your he's like 35 36 he's your go-to wing defender you're leaning on him for 25 points per game for like if he misses an extended stretch of time Booker and Beal will need to play phenomenally for Phoenix to stay mm-hmm. afloat in the kind of Western Conference that we're talking about, where three through 10 is decided by so few games. And so, yeah, like, I don't know. Phoenix being there, it's a very gut reaction type thing uh, that, I don't know, usually works out for me, I guess. It got me here, but uh, I could easily see them like flaming out or whatever. It's not outside the realm of possibility. I actually kind of like them more if Beal doesn't play. Just like get a little <laughs> bit more <laughs> offense defense balance. It's just my goodness. You know, okay, if Beal's <laughs> on the court, you're gonna attack Beal. Like yeah, no, it's I'm glad. I, I feel like I'm a pioneer of Phoenix hating. I hated every move they made. <laughs> I hate that roster. I actually like the guys around them. Like it's not bad. You're telling me you like the 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 role players Phoenix has. I Holy mean, shit. minimum guys who get on the minimum, they're fine. No, you're 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 over you're overthinking it. You're looking at it like a vacuum, like oh, Eric Gordon, four best, he's pretty good. And it's like, all right, he's your fourth best player. Let's go, roll it yeah. out there. I think they yeah, have a good like four through ten on a roster. Like like if that was your like the latter half of your roster, yeah, that's like a solid ish like back half of your bench. But that's like the guys you're throwing out there and being like. Build a lead for us. Keep us afloat while Katie yeah. catches his mm-hmm. breath. That's really hard. I can't hard. wait to see the plus minus numbers on on these guys. Where it's like Kevin Durant, thirty five points, eight boards, eight assists, plus fifteen in a two point loss. Um, I had a Phoenix as a fifty one win two seed. I know it's off topic of the division, mm-hmm. but that's just like I have the Grizzlies out of as a forty five win eight seed, and if things don't go great for phoenix that's six games away from like holy shit we have to win a play-in game Mm -hmm. and at that point you're talking about like you could be playing a play-in game against luca that's fucking Mm -hmm. terrifying like yeah shit just gets very crazy very fast in a way that like if you're phoenix and you've committed yourself to this moment in time you don't want it to go that way it'll probably be like you know, you're playing Zion or you're playing Luca or it's Kawhi Leonard. Like, holy <laughs> shit. One game elimination against Kawhi Leonard. Like, that's tough, man. The only game that Kawhi so, is healthy for is the play-in. But yeah, he fucking <laughs> drops 45 or something. So we've now done the entire Western Conference and did it just like this. We either had guests or there's at least three people and we took the average wins from all of them. And we're ending with Denver 55, Phoenix 51, Golden State 49, Memphis 49. OKC 48, uh, rounding up to the nearest hole number yeah. or just rounding to the nearest hole. Uh, Lakers 47, Minnesota 46, Pelicans and Kings are tied for the eighth seed with 45. Dallas is 43, and then the Clippers at the 11th seed, 42 wins. Just a, a brutal Western Conference where one of those teams is not going to make the play-in and three of them are not going to make the playoffs. Damn. Yeah. I mean, when you when you get to like teams have to lose and it's going Mm -hmm. to be very difficult, like it's going to be one of those seasons that like a 15 year old uh, Jack would look back through on basketball reference and be like, holy fuck. Kawhi Leonard didn't even sniff the playoffs. Are we serious? He didn't even get to play for it. Something like that. And so, yeah, I think uh, 
yeah, I'm excited for the season. It rocks being a team that's kind of like locked into a playoff spot. I don't have to be as nervous. I feel like 49 wins for the Warriors is a lot. I don't know if that's like a super hot take. I know they're not in the division. It just jumped out to me when you were saying that. But yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it might be a little bit high, but last year they were without Wiggins the whole, or I mean, pretty much the whole year. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, they were, you know, hey, there it's, uh, what were they, 44 wins without Wiggins. Can Wiggins get you an extra five wins? I like Chris Paul. I had him at 49 wins. Not punch, not having a teammate get punched in pre- in the, uh, you know, yeah, the, the pre- I guess. Steph I guess. Played, like, 56 games, right? Steph, like, barely played. I also want to get this on the record on the podcast. I think Draymond Green's injury is bullshit. I think it's a cover story. <laughs> uh, I think him, <laughs> him being hurt right now is just a clever ploy. So that way they can be like, all right, we're going to start Chris Paul for a little bit. Draymond's <laughs> going to make a miraculous recovery so that way he can be ready for the start of the season. But we're going to bring him off the bench just because he's you know still recovering. And they're going to try it for like two weeks. And then if it's going well, they'll stick with it. And if not, they can they can put Draymond back in. It's just it's too clean for that to <laughs> actually be real. It's 100% a fake story. Hell yeah. We're we're schizo posting online. I, I like <laughs> it a lot. I love schizo talk. I had texted Nate after um we, we did our Pacific Division preview, and then right after that, that news broke that Draymond was injured, and I, I messaged him and said, four to six weeks is the start of the season. He said, more like 3.5, but I think it's a cover for Draymond coming off the bench. And I said, <laughs> okay, so we're just making shit up now. So we're just like, okay, like no, that's just not true. Like just Reality can be whatever I want. My source is that I made it the fuck up. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's what's great about the internet age. You can make anything up. It rocks. Nothing's real. Hell yeah. Just Good saying, pod, guys. It's, it's too clean. It has to be. <laughs> but yes, uh, Jack, thank you so much for coming on. Plug your stuff. Hell yeah. Okay, well, follow me on TikTok at Jokic Joestar. Also on Twitter. Uh, also on Instagram at Jokic Joestar on both of those. I have a podcast called The State of the League. This is the first ever plug I've done for that. So I've never fucking said that on a different podcast. But go check that out. I had Nate on to talk about the Raptors. I'm going to have Aaron on with uh, Jack the Kings fan here in a little bit to talk about the Sacramento Kings and what they're going to do this upcoming season. Uh, Follow me on everything. Go listen to that. Keep listening to Hoops Temple and write to the Golden State Warriors and say you're cowards for not playing Draymond Green. We know he's healthy. Call them, write them, email them. (laughs) Aaron, where can people find you? Possible shares on TikTok, this podcast all the time, and the State of the Lead podcast fairly soon. find me here find me on tiktok nate underscore hoops temple uh email us hoops temple at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you thanks for listening